This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And welcome to the Vedic Wisdom. Thanks for being with us today. I want to talk to you about disunity and how it's prevalent in our society. I think it's something we uh, don't really notice, particularly if you have a good heart. Your attitude isn't looking for the problems or the differences. You're not critical. You're not living in a fault-finding mentality. You're getting through your life and trying to help others and do as best you can, be as cooperative, etc. But when we look at the situation we have, we actually are being prodded into a society that's full of disunity. Now, the reason I say this is, traditionally, this country has been uh, a migrant area for Europeans. It was started, of course, by the British and other European nations uh, came as well. And it brought in a lot of people from all parts of the world. Their involvement in the two two couple wars, two major world wars we had, uh, again, brought unity among neighboring nations and, uh, again, the, the Europeans and even Americans. But since then and now, we're having a different situation because our policies, our immigration policies have changed. And it's very difficult to get into this country if you're European or you're American as opposed to if you're Asian or African or even from the uh, Middle East areas where there's so much uh, trauma and is generating so many uh, refugees. So what we have is we have cultures, the Indian culture, the Pakistani culture, the Muslim culture, Iraq, Iran, um, Asia, the Korean concept versus the Malaysian concept versus the Chinese concept. All of these different uh, races, nationalities and perspectives, cultures, are coming into New Zealand. But they're not coming in like they did historically. Because they're not coming here to develop a nation like it was cut it out of the bush and start it being productive and unify it together under a structure and government and set up schools and start building a nation. They're coming in under the, under the concepts of retaining their original uh, cultural hist heritage and bringing it here to transplant it. So instead of everyone joining into the Kiwi experience, if you will, becoming part of this nation, they're becoming secular. There's a big uh, Indian community. The churches and temples are speaking Hindi. There's a big uh, Chinese community where many of them are speaking Mandarin. You can go to uh, different shops and restaurants and what have yous, and they don't even speak English. And so there's no blending of the cultures. The people aren't unified in their uh, building of a nation or even controlling or managing a nation. The situation is now where these individual pockets of uh, cultures are grouping up into separate little bubbles within every every community. We have a sector of community that's in centers around a Muslim temple, and a lot of Muslim people live in that area, logically, etc. But they aren't 
speaking English. They aren't in, 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 involved so much in what's going on in the country. And like I said, the uh, the other people are speaking their languages, and there's a difference. You find people standing there talking in a foreign language, and they don't even care about you. And yet you live here, or were born here, or have been here 50 years, or what have you, and you feel part of this nation. You feel part of it. And you feel as though it's your home. And these people obviously don't feel as though it's their home. So there's disunity there. Now we have the same thing that's going on on the family level. At the family level, we have, the women are encouraged to have a career. And then when they have a child, they get leave. And they have the child for, I don't know, however many months they choose to. And then the child goes to a daycare a care center and they don't actually raise the child the daycare raises the child and there's different degrees of qualities in there there's different degrees of personal relationship there and it's not done around a family where the older siblings taking care of the younger ones where the family is sharing their responsibilities working together building together and on a, a correct family and intimate structure. So this is a type of disunity in the household side of things. And again, oftentimes, both of the parents are forced to work to maintain the family household. Sometimes one person works nights, one person works days. There's a variety of things. I, I have that going on around me right now. Um, these, again, these form disunity. And then there's uh, the same thing with uh, financial disparity. We have certain sectors of our society that are in financial strife and other sectors that are rolling in money. And there's no balance of anything. And the tax system is odd. And all of these things are forming disunity. Now, everybody, it doesn't matter what church or what synagogue or what temple or whatever you go to in town and they'll be talking about unity under God. But there's no practical application. We see in general that society is actually functioning the opposite. There's disunity. It's all over. The television set is teaching argument in the family. No one is subordinate to their elders. The youth are totally disrespectful. And the television is preaching that. It is showing it as an example of you're caught doing something wrong. And instead of being re uh, uh, repentant for doing something wrong and admitting your fault and learning that you shouldn't do these things, there's a big argument and a flash and somebody walks out and n no discipline is actually instilled. And so we have that problem. We have that problem that disciplining children at schools isn't even allowed. Disciplining at home is frowned upon. No smacking. All these different things that are keeping there from being a healthy development of society as a unit. Our healthy development of the family as a unit. Now, the Vedic literature talks about these things. That these things are being instilled by those who wish to control you. The entire focus is divide and conquer. They want to divide the families. They want to divide the societies. They want to divide the cultures. They want to divide the nations such that there is no everybody in the street saying, no, we don't want that. 
Because there are things that are happening that no one wants, like fracking. It poisons the water table. It's well known, and there's very little uh, energy production out of it. Uh, offshore mining. There's all sorts of protesting going on by these giant rigs coming in, uh, drilling and so forth along our coasts. But there's no unity. The last time we had any unity was back in the 80s in the Springbok situation and in the nuclear-free issues. But since then, the unity is only around sport. Go, team, go. So we've become a society that's lost its focus. And this is being imposed upon us by the banking regime, by the central governments of the world, by the control freaks, by the corporations. The corporations are working all over the world, skirting laws and taxation such that they are getting uh, terrific advancement and unity in their corporation. But it's not happening in the people because the people would say, well, wait a minute, you've got this big corporation and you're selling fast food, but the fast food's got terrible things in it. We don't want that in our fast food. There's no such opportunity. So the disunity concept is that it keeps everyone from saying we want something superior. Now, if we look at what is really important, this gives us, I shed another light on this uh, discussion. That what is really important is more like how to solve the problems of life. And the real problems of life are old age, disease, and death. Those are the root problems of life. And uh, unwanted difficulties that come upon you without your choice. That somehow or other, some rain falls in your life, shall we say. And how do you get by that? How do you stop that from happening? These are the real problems of life that need to be focused on. Now, these points are the uh, central and initial teachings in the Vedic literature. This is not anything absolute. This is not anything transcendental. This is not anything from the spiritual world. This is really bottom line people coming out of their stupor of following what the government says and doing what they're taught in school to thinking for themselves and trying to understand how do I solve these significant problems of life. Because if, according to the Vedic literature, if a person doesn't come to the point of asking the questions, how did I get here? Why am I here? Why am I suffering? Where do I go at death? Why am I forced to accept death? What happens after death? What is the uh, meaning of good or bad deeds? And how are deeds uh, evaluated as good or bad? And what is the result of good and bad deeds? If a person doesn't come to asking these types of questions on this level of perspective, they're considered in Vedic literature to be of animal consciousness. They're concerned about eating and sleeping and resting. They're concerned about their property. They're concerned about money. But they're not asking the right questions. They're not actually asking intelligent questions. Now, we have a society that's being dumbed down dramatically to where everybody sits in front of the television and goes comatose for several hours a day. And their brainwave patterns have been altered not to think about anything serious. And the same things now happened in the Internet. If you uh, research a particular subject, particularly of philosophical value, you get the most superficial aspects presented to you first. That's Google's business. 
they don't want uh, in-depth thinking, intelligent, questioning people. Because the first things you're going to question is, why are you contaminating our food and water and our society and our minds? So that we can't focus on these quality questions, philosophical questions, those questions and perspectives that make you human by definition. The inquiring human being, one who is regulated, one who is self-controlled, one who is compassionate, one who is highly developed, one who is divine in attitude and act. That's not being propagated anywhere you look. Now, at most, most people have within themselves their own principles or their family unit has their own principles. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. A basic, few basic things. But it's all focuses around look out for number one. It doesn't focus around selflessness. And in the Vedic literature, we learn on the higher stratus of philosophical understanding, on the higher levels of transcendental knowledge, Selfless devotion is the perfection of life. Now you have to learn where to put your devotion, where to put your selfless service. This is part of the instructions in the Vedic literature to teach you where to go, where to look, what is of value, how to evaluate these aspects of a human form of life. Your human form of life is a unique status compared to all the other species. Everyone can agree with that. But what makes it unique and what is that uniqueness intended to be used for? How should you employ your uniqueness to answer these serious questions? How did I get here? Why am I here? What is my duty? Where do I go at death? Why am I forced into old age and disease? If you're not looking at these, you're being distracted. And we are living in a world that has absolutely mastered the technique of distraction of the human mind. The television, advertising, screens everywhere, advertising everywhere, signs everywhere, nonsense on nonsense, thousand levels deep. That keeps you from asking these serious questions that will actually bring you to the human platform and give you something tangible, something moral, something to build on. We're not being given anything tangible to build on. We're being given disunity. We're being given distraction from serious issues. Just look at yourself. Just look at yourself. You have several problems, issues on your desk. You have five problems you have to get done today. And there's this couple, two or three that aren't too serious and you know, a little bit of effort and time and inquiries or what have you. And you have a couple more that are serious. You're going to have to really figure that one out. And one of them might be, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to get it to take, take shape? Where am I going to find the answer to this? This is really important. I've got to work this over. And what happens is you end up doing the first three or four easy ones and the big one is left to last. And then again, the next day, oh, I've got all these couple problems and this big one's still haunting me and it gets left till later. And you have to fight with it to get it, to get over it. You have to work. It may take a few days to put everything in place. It may take a few endeavors. It may take, a, you know, sweat, late night, whatever. But because there is a constant stream of distractions, 
Other things take up your mind, and the day comes to an end, and you go, oh, I've been so busy. But the most significant issues aren't being addressed. This is distraction life. This is what is happening to many, many, many people in the human society now. And we can see that, uh, how do I say, an example of that, I guess, is how degraded the distractions have become. They're not distracting you with something of equivalent value. They're distracting you with things that are absolutely trivial or disgusting or immoral. They use sex and nudity a lot to distract you from your focus because it's a normal um, uh, bestial tendency, primitive, bottom level, base level tendencies, the sexual impulse and sex drive. And so they use it all the time. Nudity of men and women. Sex attraction, lusty actions and activities, alluring, just to pull your mind away from whatever it is you're working on. So these distractions become uh, time wasters because everything is being played on the screen of time. All material activities have a duration. They have a beginning and they have an end and they're played in a sequence among all the other things that are happening at this particular time. So look at the people who go through these things like, uh, I want to have a wedding. Well, when can we get to church? Or we're going to have a, uh, a festival or a carnival or what have you on the such and such weekend. Oh, we can't have it that weekend because this game is on. Oh, and everybody doing this. And, oh, we can't do it on that weekend because the so-and-so's in town. And all these things trying to fit it all in on the screen of time. So what we have is a society that they are trying to run our time with distraction till the opportunity expires. That's what's going on to everybody on the planet. Not me, not you. Everybody on the planet is being distracted by degraded, ridiculous, unimportant, repetitive issues that don't actually build, help, affect, or grow your life's consciousness. You're not a better person at the end of the day. You're tired, but you're not a better person. You've not solved the problems in your life. You've not picked up your contribution, picked up your determination, picked up your perspective. You've simply gone through the motions of putting out this fire and that fire and getting this done and getting a hold of that and getting one of these. And But you're not actually better for it. And that's what we have. Advancement of civilization means that you grow during your life and that the children become greater than the parents. That's advancement of civilization. We don't have that happening. We're lucky if the children become 20% of the parents. The education system is so bad. The amount of distractions and the screens and the games and the things that are keeping them from being intelligent, contemplative, determined people is astonishing compared to what it's been at any other time in history. So you have to recognize that you're living in a contaminated age.
an era when it is full of distractions to keep you from being the best you can be, to keep you from answering the serious questions of life, to keep you from studying the Vedic literature to understand above the rhetoric you might get from some other philosophical approach. Everybody, you get it over and over and over. Oh, you have to do it this way or you aren't saved. If you don't follow this person, there's no salvation. All these things, yet we see it's obvious that they are devout in every form of religious belief. So it isn't a matter of you have to accept and reject the different people and different beliefs. You have to be good at, you have to be sincere in the beliefs you, you follow. You can be a great Christian or a lousy Christian. And that's true of any other religious denomination you wish to call yourself. It's a matter of you controlling your mind and reading and learning from an intelligent perspective what the situation really is. And there is no literature whatsoever on the planet that holds a candle to the Vedic literature. The Vedic literature is not only about the mundane situation. It's not only about a degree of, a degree of history. But it is about the transcendental realm, the spiritual world, which is separate from this material world, which is full of bliss and knowledge and is eternal, which is actually our own home. We as eternal living entities have an eternal relationship with each other, have an eternal relationship with the Supreme Lord, have an eternal relationship in an alternative reality, the spiritual world. In this material world, we're covered with temporary matter and everything is disjointed. And we are literally fish out of water. We're not happy. Our situation is not eternal. We're not full of knowledge. We're in question and doubt. We're not being uh, supported and, and advanced in our consciousness. We're being attacked and degraded and distracted. So the Vedic literature is totally unique. Absolutely unique. In its presentation of absolute knowledge as well as mundane material knowledge as well as conceptions of religion as well as conceptions of meditation and yoga and self-realization all of it is in there all of these questions we've been discussing today are called preliminary they're absolutely bottom line it's not where you end up it's not the, the, the end of the story by any means it is the beginning of you learning how to cope and not be distracted and calmly face the study you need to make and the inquisitiveness that's required for you to go further in understanding what is really going on in your life and how to direct those activities, how to uh, conf confront those different uh, difficulties and questions you may have in such a way that it is a benevolent, beneficial result. And getting over all these disjointed concepts that are being propagated into our society. A total system of divide and conquer is being propagated by the rulers so you won't question what they're doing. At most, you'll bitch about the local council not taking care of your water or something of that variety. But you're not looking at the big plan where they're trying to unify the world into one control system, one currency, one army, one uh, ministry of oil, one ministry of medicine and force everybody to go down the same track and live a controlled life and take away your individuality. So there's a lot to look into in the spiritual perspective of reality, a spiritual perspective of our lives, and get over the disunity, because in all, in all, we are all eternal living entities. 
We are all related to the Supreme Eternal Father. And we are all living in the womb of Eternal Mother Nature. Excuse me, temporary Mother Nature. And we have to return to our transcendental consciousness and return back home, back to Godhead for a healthy condition of life. And that needs to be propagated in society for there to be real happiness and understanding. Begin by reading the Vedic literature, Bhagavad Gita as it is, by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, the empowered Acharya for delivering the Vedic literature to the human society. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.